Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello, and welcome to the Body Protest Podcast, a new intersectional body image podcast that takes a deep dive into our often complicated, occasionally treacherous relationships with our bodies. We want to figure out how we can all feel more at home in our bodies and what it will take to create a world that fosters positive body image. I'm Honey Ross. And I'm Nadia Craddock. In each episode, we'll be combining storytelling with science to discuss body image, so how we feel about how we look in relation to our weight, shape, race, skin colour, physical ability, sexuality, mental health, and whatever else comes up. This podcast is brought to you by The Pink Protest. So this episode, I think, can be really great. We are going to be talking about dieting, how diet culture is trash, and learning more about intuitive eating with registered nutritionist and friend of the podcast, Laura Thomas, PhD. So Laura published a book earlier this year called Just Eat It, and it's this incredible tonic to all the lies we've been sold, that being thin is the gateway to being happy and successful and desirable. Um, And I also think with the diet culture thing, the whole idea that if we can, it's like, we can all be thin if only we try hard enough. Yeah, right? and it's like, like that. Like it's all about discipline. Like, and, like, baby girl, my body is not built like that, and it <laughs> never will be. <laughs> Sorry to break uh, it to you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if diets work long term, the diet industry wouldn't be profitable. Uh, the industry is literally built on failure. Like our bodies are like definitely designed to be diverse, like in shape and size, and not just like like same like diversity in terms of like shape and size as in terms of like height, right? Yeah, like, I mean, it's so I weird. Know how could we expect anyone to, I mean how have we all been sold the same beauty standard for so long when it's like well obviously I'm never gonna look like Kate Moss and I wouldn't want to I mean she's gorgeous that's her vibe but it's not mine okay before we get to Laura and I know we've had lots of conversations about mm. this but been much of a dieter honey oof I have been on so many stupid diets. I mean, I was on Weight Watchers when I was about 14, which is super healthy. I uh, love that lifestyle. Um, I mean... That's frightening, isn't it? Isn't it frightening? I know, like, that you learn to hate yourself from such a young age. Um, and then I was on keto when I was about 17 until I... I mean, like, I didn't eat carbs for three years. I was on keto for three years. It was miserable mm-hmm. i mean like pasta is my favorite food so like what the f- what do you do with that i mean absolute hell but i'm free from it now i don't even have scales in my house like it is so liberating not being on any kind of diet and just doing whatever you want um what about you oh, i don't i don't know i'm just i'm still just thinking of like 
weight watchers at 14 i'm not like i'm I know. not over it i'm not over it i don't remember like formally dieting i remember looking i, I don't like i don't it's like it's a, a, a bizarre thing and i think we have to be careful like eating disorders are not just about dieting but we yeah. also know that like dieting is a risk factor for eating disorders totally right? like, and, and all eating disorders not just anorexia it's like mm. every eating disorder like has facets of like restrictive dieting within within yeah. it um but yeah, I think, like, what I kind of vaguely remember is, like, obviously, like, there are all of these kind of, like, crazy diets going on and, like, all these different trends, like, celebrity diets and stuff. And I just remember looking at them and then, like, picking and choosing different bits of information. Mm. So it wasn't, like, I'm going to follow X diet. It would be, like, I would just be, like, oh, okay, I'm going to use this, like, you know, this information and I'm going to be, like, better because I'm obviously I'm better than the diet. <laughs> I'm better than the diet. I'll just do whatever. I'll make up my own rules, yeah, you know, like, like whatever. I'll make my own diet up. And and it was like it was so nonsensical because I would like I would I would have a set of rules and they would just switch, like there would it would be like complete pivot like wow. complete pivot and it would be but I would like completely be like this is like this is the way I I I like will eat and I would like would eat that way and then I don't know something would like knock in like like I don't know like sugar's a bad thing and like, at the time would I've like, literally just been eating like pick and mix or something and yeah. I'd be like oh shit I need to now and it yeah, would, it would just like yeah, it would completely flip and it was like it none of it made any sense whatsoever um fuck but, <laughs> but, like, again, but again it's like it's it's very weird looking back to what I thought was like because I think it you know yeah obviously and I always think this is interesting when it comes to dieting because I feel like I know a lot of like very bright intelligent people yeah and yet they come up with the most utter BS oh my when God, it comes totally. to dieting. Well, like, I mean, I love my parents. My parents are brilliant and successful and wonderful, but they were on diets their whole lives and are still dieting to this day. I think they're still trying to do keto, God bless them. I'm like, guys. <laughs> and they're, like, literally, like, the most incredible, successful, like, powerhouse couple doing, I know, like, and, amazing, incredible things. But it kind like of shows type. you how deep it yeah. goes. Like, it's not... I mean, like, I hope they don't kill me for being like, my parents are dieting. But like, you know, I know so many incredible people who kind of still low-key hate themselves and are dieting. And it's like, not that those two things correlate, but I kind of think they do. But I think it's like, you just want to believe it, don't you? You just want to believe that you can change and better yourself. And it's not, it might not even be, but I think it's like better yourself in terms of aesthetic, but also better yourself Mm. in terms of like, I just want to be the the healthiest I can be and like live this like long life. And actually we don't have that control over it. Well, especially with things like clean eating, which I think Laura's going to talk about a bit. It's so interesting that kind of, we talked about, we've talked about this before, but that kind of thing of language and like how we use language around food and saying food is clean Mm. is so damaging because we're like, well, there's no such food isn't dirty there's not dirty food I mean like unless you're like yeah wash your vegetables before you eat them but like apart from that the food's not dirty you're not a bad person for eating something I know and I I just think there's like that whole idea of like what like what you eat isn't like the the amount of change it's gonna have on your yeah life like oh oh, you know like I I don't know I just think it's like you're not gonna I don't know have this like huge control like you're not gonna suddenly control your entire health by like what you eat, and I think yeah. they're, they're, like people do latch on onto that. And I remember once being in a car with a friend who's got literally got a PhD from MIT, <laughs> wow. and like in chemistry, like so like no big like, deal. I know like <laughs> the smartest, 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 and was like convincing me like how keto was like the best thing on earth. And I was like, I don't I, and, like and trying to tell me the science behind it, but and I was like, hang on, like what 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 this is like very and like look, the fact is keto works. Like you lose a lot of weight on it, but. 
at what cost? I mean, like, oh, it yeah. gave me so many issues around food. It made my life... Like, I mean, I was a 20-year-old looking at a menu and being like, I'm terrified of pasta. I'm terrified of potatoes. And I don't know how to express this. Like, I'm absolutely... It's ridiculous. I'm like, I'm a smart young woman and I was absolutely petrified to eat a bowl of spaghetti for four years. Like, that's not normal. Yeah. Like... And I'd kind of been like, no, 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 this is fine. I'm just like low-key phobic of carbs after coming off keto. And like, what's the health consequences of that? Like, I, I didn't know. I didn't think it's like, that's not, that's not okay. Like, that's not okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not ideal. No, no, <laughs> not ideal. Anyway, I think we should get to Laura because she will tell us some of the science around nutrition. She will be more informed than we are. Um, um, so this is Laura. Self-love is true love. Honour the most important relationship in your life, yourself. Our sponsor, Womanizer, believes that every person has the right to pleasure and self-love, regardless of age, sexuality, size and colour. A wonderful way to learn to appreciate your body is through self-pleasure. Masturbation is a truly joyful way to connect with your body and learn to feel comfortable in your skin. Everyone should feel able to feel comfortable in their body and explore their own sexual needs and desires. In this house, we see masturbation as the purest form of self-love. Unlike other vibrators, Womanizer products stimulate with soft pressure waves. It is stimulation without touch, meaning there is no chance of overstimulation or loss of sensitivity. Get yourself your very own Womanizer at womanizer.com UK so you can light a candle, run a bath and have a mind-blowing night of sexy self-care. I would love you to tell us a bit about yourself. I know that you're kind of from the school of thought of intuitive eating, which, right. you know, I don't know that much about, but from what I gather, it's kind of the anti-diet. Would you talk to me a bit about that? Yeah, it 1000% is the anti-diet. And so maybe I should just preface it um, with the fact that I'm a registered nutritionist. I have a PhD in nutritional sciences and I'm also studying a, an MSc in eating disorders and clinical nutrition at UCL. So I just wanted to throw that in there, not as like a humble brag, but just to yeah, let yeah. everyone know. <laughs> but, but more just to let people know that like I'm coming from this, coming at this from a legit place. Yeah. So it's important. We like receipts on this. No, we, 100%. <laughs> so I wanted, uh, maybe I should start by explaining what intuitive eating is. Uh, so it is a, a concept that originated in the 90s with two dietitians. Evelyn Tribbley and Elise Resch, who I've had the great pleasure of training with. And it is a set of 10 principles, kind of a framework to help guide people away from rigid diets and um, restrictive eating and disordered eating towards a, a place where they're eating according to the, the messages and the signals that their body is sending them. So moving away and disconnecting from diet tools and external rules mm. and learning to let your body kind of guide the way. And that sounds kind of woo, but, <laughs> but if we think about it, we're all born with this ability, right? Like you don't see a kid in their high chair tracking their macros. They just, <laughs> when they're hungry, they screen the house down. When they're done, they start like throwing food off their high chairs. They clamp their mouths down. Um, they turn their heads away. They let you know that they're done. And if you mm. present them with a variety of different foods, they'll kind of pick and mix a little bit of everything. Uh, but over time, 
um, through whether it's like well-intentioned, well-meaning messages from parents and family about like cleaning your plate before you're done or, um, you know, making or eating your vegetables before you can go out and play or um, messages about your body. Uh, These things compounded by diet culture kind of undermine our ability to regulate our own food intake Mm -hmm. and we lose trust and and start to essentially disconnect from the messages that our bodies are sending us how do you reconnect to that i mean i feel like that's probably the whole book and we can all find out if we read the book but um what's the kind of elevator pitch of how you reconnect to your body and learn the signals yeah so like i said uh it's a framework of 10 principles Mm -hmm. and i would just like put it out there before ever because i see this happen a lot people are like well i'm not dieting anymore therefore i must be eating intuitively Mm -hmm. and it's not quite as straightforward as that it it really is an iterative process Mm -hmm. so it requires a bit of time it requires a bit of practice and i know everyone's like time poor at the moment but I think it's really worth that investment so um you know really spending some time getting figuring out what intuitive eating looks like for you because it will it's different on Nadia than it is on you than it is on me um and that's fine like it's supposed to be a flexible framework in terms of how you get started though and like how you begin to work through those those principles the the first and I I'd say the kind of anchor point of intuitive eating is ditching the diets and kind of basically schooling yourself on diet culture, why diets don't work, getting rid of diet tools and these external influences over our eating, um, which can kind of sound kind of frightening if you've mm-hmm. been used to like tracking and counting everything. Yeah. And so it's okay if that takes a little bit of, of time, But kind of in tandem with that, can you be reading some stuff about why diets don't work? Can you be um, looking at some stuff around um, body acceptance or fat positivity or these other concepts that um, kind of can rewire those parts of our brains that that think that diets are good and that not dieting is going to lead you down this path of destruction? Right. Yeah, I think it's nice that intuitive eating doesn't look the same with like every single person yeah. I think especially if you've come from a place of diet mentality that you're like okay I need to follow this plan and then I will get this result so I think if you're then trying to be like oh I'm shifting to a new way of eating it's like how do I get it right and how am I mm. doing it in the best possible way yeah. yeah it seems lovely that it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of diet which well it's not a diet right but it's kind of you know I mean I was like mm, that's incorrect but like you know it everybody's different so it would make sense that everybody eats differently intuitively yeah and just to kind of tie that back to the sort of science and research Mm -hmm. what we know is from a psychological perspective is that the the process of going through intuitive eating and Nadia will know more about this than I do but um learning to be flexible like that it promotes psychological flexibility Mm -hmm. instead of psychological sort of rigidity or Mm -hmm. that all or nothing mentality that we can often get really caught up in and I know that's the target of a lot of psychological interventions Nadia's like nodding (laughs) (laughs) well yeah I think we want to you know not be like so bounded by like rules Mm. that we put on us put on ourselves and like rules who who put them on on us though it's not (laughs) I I make my own rules please thank you very much so um I think it's it's interesting because I obviously we've spoken in a professional context uh, a good number of times Mm. now either by podcast or or panels and I wonder, to if we can go a bit more personal, like what your, how you've kind of moved to intuitive 
eating and the, like an anti-diet approach and have you always been quite anti-diet in your outlook? I, I was coming from it from this perspective that I was like oh but I have science on my mm -hmm. side and I would curate these like Perf seemingly perfect meals that were like low in oil and gluten-free and um I would like really focus on the minutia of detail of like well this um whatever carrot has <laughs> this, like this obscure micronutrient that might like slightly enhance the glow of your skin or so, like some crap because yeah. I'd found this really um just niche study <laughs> and I, I linked to the abstract and PubMed and I was like oh, it's fine it's science um but then the uh, on the other hand I was really struggling with my own disordered eating and so I would spend weekends like you know perfectly curating these recipes and taking pictures and doing all the fact checking and all of that stuff and then I'd like face plant into some Ben and Jerry's at night and wow. Wow. And everything that comes loaded with mm -hmm. that cycle, right? Which yeah. is the guilt and the shame mm -hmm. and, and the judgment and the sort of, especially when you're a nutritionist as well, because you're the person that's supposed to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> and if I, if I don't even have my shit together yeah. around food, then, you know, what else is going on with other people who, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't even want to speculate on that. Um. So I came across the concepts uh, actually first of all came across the concept of health at every size mm -hmm. and having sort of struggled with my weight as as a teenager and even younger than that um it really really resonated with me and it just felt so liberating that there were there were people studying this and there was another way to operate besides constantly thinking about your body shape and size and what you were putting in and how much you were exercising and that whole calories in calories out yeah it's like it's like groundbreaking i can just exist without punishing mm -hmm. myself yeah wild it's like it shouldn't it's yeah it shouldn't be as radical as yeah. it is um and so i came to that initially and then i still kind of was like um a, a diet culture nutritionist if that is a label that I can apply to people and it it took me a while to really um connect all the dots between some of the other things that I was saying and doing um and kind of doing my own work basically mm -hmm. I think is is really what I was doing mm. you know reflecting back on it now and um and then when I started my clinical practice I was more just focused on general nutrition stuff and like eat more plants um and it wasn't until I started seeing other people and seeing those same patterns that I'd saw in myself in other people that I like the penny dropped and I was like oh this isn't just me this is so many women in particular mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and and that's when I kind of thought back to health at every size and intuitive eating and went off and did retraining and um, really learned about it, did my research. Um, I started talking about it on my own podcast and um, on, on my platforms and, and developed a course. And there was just so much demand for it. Like yeah. people were really, really ready um, to just break out of diet prison. 
even if yeah. even if that diet <laughs> that diet was called wellness yeah. um it's it's kind of just a different permutation of the same thing no but i love that i love that expression diet prison because that is what it feels like it's so kind of all-encompassing you yeah. are completely trapped in it and yeah. also it's hard to see that you're in it sometimes totally is yeah especially if you think you're, you're trying to do the right thing i guess that kind of leads on to the next well, question i don't know because i was gonna because i think something that i struggle with when i'm talking to people about dieting is or why we shouldn't diet maybe more to the point is mm is when people hold on to an element of science, and now I am not a nutrition scientist. Mm. So when someone starts saying science at me about nutrition, like, oh, this is a really <laughs> good diet because it does this to your insides. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm like, or my only response is like, well, what does it do to your mind? Like how, 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 you, sure. how are you feeling? But like, yeah. I think there's so many, there's so many different diets and there's elements of fact of science mm. within it. Right. But then how do you how, how do you, you reconcile how do you, yeah, how do you, and then how do you actually spot yeah. what is nutribullets where it's kind of kind of gone to that yeah. extreme and it doesn't make any sense? So I should just say ultimately yes, Nadia's right. I'm still a nutritional scientist at the end of the day. Like <laughs> I am I'm I'm saying that diets don't work. I'm not saying nutrition isn't important. It's not something that we need to consider, but we also need to and this speaks to your point, Nadia, is nutrition needs to have its rightful place as something that is important in our lives, but it's not all consuming. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, sort of in the um, murky depths of diet culture, nutrition becomes all consuming. Um, so just to kind of bring it back to the framework of intuitive eating, I said that one anchor on one side was ditching diets and ditching diet culture. On the other side, we have what's called gentle nutrition. Mm -hmm. And that's the very last step in the intuitive eating process. Um, now, somewhere in the middle is making peace with food and um, challenging the food police. So that is the bit where we really just it, unpack all the nutribolics, all the myths and mis misconceptions around um, food and nutrition and kind of really try and break that all or nothing mm -hmm. mentality mm. that we often have about foods. And towards the end, once we've kind of dismantled that we can come at nutrition from a perspective where it's not all or nothing it's not black and white where where we've really learned that actually there is no such thing as a perfect diet nutrition is important but so is sleep so is your mm -hmm. mental health so is movement so is going to the doctor and <laughs> taking your medicines and getting checkups and you know apart from anything else your socioeconomic status is the biggest determinant of your health anyway <laughs> so let's not forget that but that yes nutrition is important but so are all of these other things and ultimately if we are obsessed and focused on the minutiae of detail around nutrition and and you know just yeah just really obsessed with nutrition that to the point that it causes us stress and anxiety if we perceive that we've messed up, mm -hmm. then that's also not healthy, right? So for mm -hmm. instance, there was a great meta-analysis that came out, I think it was last year, that showed that anxiety was causative of type two diabetes, right? So if we're anxious about something, that's also not great for our health. Even we could be eating the most, you know, meticulous salad that ever came you know that was yeah. ever conceived yeah. but if it's but if we're anxious because it's got like a tiny bit of oil in it or something then that's also really not good for us 
Right, and so how... Did that answer your yeah, question? Yeah, it, it, it did, but I have a follow-up. Okay. Because how, <laughs> as a non-nutrition scientist, yeah. if someone is telling me something is based on science, like, you should eat in this way, in yeah. this, with this pattern, mm-hmm. uh, because it's based on science. Science tells you it's... Like, how do you spot that... The red flags, yeah. right. What are the red flags? Okay, so there are a couple of different responses to this, and I, I don't think there is any singular answer, and we mm-hmm. need to kind of... T- look at all of these things um, together to get the whole picture. So the first thing that you can do is check qualifications and credentials. So in the UK, what you would be looking for is a registered dietitian or a registered nutritionist with the Association for Nutrition. That's the first thing. Um, of the people like who are selling, oh, qual- a, sell- yeah, or yeah. selling a diet. Or like- well, if they're selling a diet, yeah, I mean, get the fuck yeah, out of there, right? Like yeah, if they're, okay. they're promising them. you weight loss, that's that's a major red flag right there because um diets don't work which spoiler right (laughs) but there you know we have really robust evidence and data that not only do they not work they're actually a predictor of um future weight gain not that there's anything wrong with gaining weight it's a Mm -hmm. normal biological thing but it just sort of underscores the futility of dieting um it's also a risk factor for disordered eating um and eating disorders Mm -hmm. um it's been linked to um increases in visceral adipose tissue which is the type of fat that accumulates around your uh, your abdomen mm-hmm. and around your internal organs. So whereas we know that the type of fat that you just get like on your arms and your hips and your upper thighs, that type of fat is 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 um, subcutaneous fat and it's relatively benign. So it's not really that big a deal mm-hmm. versus the visceral fat, which accumulates around like your internal organs. And you can have that no matter what size you are. Okay. So that's right. not linked to BMI necessarily. That's so interesting. So um, uh, yeah, so there are all these, you know, dieting is not risk-free it's not benign and if someone is promising you weight loss ask to see the studies that back that up ask for references um and you know just to to give you some more context just for you know I'll give you some studies while we're talking about it, but there is this really interesting meta-analysis. So meta-analysis is uh, a type of study that pulls together a bunch of smaller studies so that it's basically got more clout. And what it found, it took, it took all these studies that looked at things like Slimming World and Weight Watchers, um, all, all these kind of um, standardized kind of diets that people Commercial do. Ones. Commercial yeah. ones. That's the mm-hmm. word. Thank you. So... Basically, um, what it found was that people on these commercial weight loss programs, which, side note, are available on the NHS, um, mm. 60% of the people who enrolled in this study failed to lose the 5% of weight loss that was their target. So they failed to, to lose the quote-unquote clinically significant uh, amount of weight loss in the first place, right? Wow. So only 40% actually lost weight. And if we take that into consideration with another sort of earlier study, another meta-analysis that found that um, people regained 80% of the weight that they lost after five years, that's assuming that they're not doing more dieting and mm-hmm. other things, yeah. right? Um, so of people lose weight and of that 40%, 80% is, is gained back anyway. That's 
It's ridiculous. It's really, really, really low. It's a really low number. Um, and so, yeah, if someone is trying to sell you mm -hmm. weight loss, that's another major red flag. Um, so check receipts, ask for evidence, um, and then and then cross check what they're saying with something sensible. Like it's not it's not sexy advice, but go cross check what what they're saying on the NHS website. Check mm -hmm. it on, there's a great website called Science-Based Medicine. Mm -hmm. um, I can give you a couple of links, but looking at the British Dietetic Association, looking at the, um, the, the British Nutrition Foundation, looking at reputable um, organizations for what they say about nutrition. Like if it strays way too off to the, you know, off the beaten path and you know, ultimately, and oh, I'm sorry, I hope I don't break anyone's hearts when I say this, but Nutritional science has not changed very much in the past 50 years. We have a fairly good idea of, of what, um, you know, a diet that supports health looks like. Um, and it's not likely to change any time in the future. So we know that eating fresh fruits or actually any fruits and vegetables, whether fresh, frozen, tinned, whatever, it's all good to dried. Um, so eating fruits and vegetables, eating some whole grains, eating some beans and pulses, a couple of portions of oily fish a week if you eat fish um, and dairy or a dairy alternative that's fortified with calcium not just a milked almond like that you make <laughs> at home um, and I can say that because I'm vegan so <laughs> um, you might not own almond milk. no because it's not fortified <laughs> and also who has time and money and <laughs> it's a big problem um, but but yeah you know you need to get your iodine and your mm -hmm. calcium and your b12 from somewhere so um you know, we know, and meat, if you eat meat, yeah, great. Um, the, the, the fundamentals of what constitutes a healthy diet, I'm afraid to say, is not likely to change anytime soon. It's not some magic potion or elixir. There is no like silver bullet panacea in the form of turmeric powder. It's just <laughs> not a thing. Right. Cause I think that's, that's the thing where like someone will be like, oh yeah, have have be very prescriptive yeah have a good one go new big thing yeah. or a goji berry yeah but also or on like the, gluten free or like yeah, whatever absolutely it is, like. but all, also on the flip side of this i have to say that you know with i just listed all these you know what people would consider to be healthy foods mm. i don't like labels however in my sort of food pyramid that I share with clients that's in my book, there is a big space in there for fun foods and social eating and mindful eating and conviviality and all of those other things which we know are so important. You know, it's not just about what you eat, but it's how you eat and it's about enjoying your food. And just because a food is nutritious doesn't mean that it can't be tasty and, you know, satisfying mm -hmm. and bring you pleasure. Like, you know, it's... We're past rice crackers, people. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a lovely approach. That's so lovely. Actually, you know what? That kind of brings us onto a question we are dying to know, which is what's what are your favourite snack? <laughs> we were talking about this before you came in, and then we were like, let's do some fun palate <gasps> cleanser questions. Like, what is the snack that's giving you life at the moment? Okay, especially if it's a fun food. Yeah, it we would have to be a fun. Food, I love though. just like all food should be fun. I love yeah, that. Well, that's yeah, that's it. No, that no. So okay, well, if I'm working yeah. with someone, I I don't usually give meal plans because they're kind of against the point of intuitive eating. But if I'm working with someone who has had really disordered eating or has is in recovery from an eating disorder, I will give them a sort of rough kind of template, a meal plan that they need to stick to. And 
we always say, you know, you need your fat, you need your protein, you need your carb, Mm -hmm. um, you need a fiber and a dairy component, and you need a fun food, right? And that has to be in there. Um, so anyway, that was a side note. Okay. But that just warms um, my soul. No, <laughs> no. I'm so happy. I want to, like, but, but that's how my mind works. All things. I want to like check these things off and then be like, and fun food. Check. Yeah, yeah. Done. Like one potato smiley. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Um, Go me. I couldn't find. I was in Sainsbury's the other day looking for potato smileys and I couldn't find them. Is this a thing? If Can Brexit you... ruins our potato smiley <laughs> like supply, I'm gonna scream. No, we got waffles no. instead. It's not all lost. Um, <laughs> not so, thanks to Brexit or yeah. not. Not related to Brexit. Um, so, okay. Okay, snack, okay so I've, I've been... So I don't know that this is necessarily my favorite snack. However, um, I have a friend. You might have heard of her. Her name is Izzy Hossick. She is a very talented um, cookbook author and blogger. She has two books. And in her first book, she has these granola cookies Ooh. that are like smothered in dark chocolate. <gasps> so it's like blended up... Uh-huh like dates and maple syrup with rice krispies and oats um and like you smoosh them all together they're like no bake as well which is so I love that. super easy the more you're talking the more i'm i'm getting into it yeah like first i was sounds, like no mm, you're like no thanks no, but but no but they're um, they're delicious i love the sweet if you're vegan green. you have to get really creative with your snacks so yeah. like crack out the dark chocolate crack out the dates like i, I my, one of my best friends is vegan and i'm so admire the like creativity that goes into like making the fun foods yeah mm. but i'm not above like going and buying a pack of crisps either oh, yeah. <laughs> um yeah. but yeah that's what i've been or either that or like making my own granola bars with chocolate chips in them. But we also in, cl- in clinic at, um, so my clinic's called London Centre for Institutes of Eating, we have like our snack stations. And so everyone gets offered a snack when they come in and we have like a whole host of things. So we have like Oreos and um, love corn. Have you seen love corn? What's love yeah. corn? It's just like roasted corn and they come in all these great flavors. So there's like a barbecue flavor, yeah. there's a habanero flavor, and there's like a ready salted one, which is just like really salty. And I'm like really into salt. And <laughs> oh, me too. I'm, I'm a love salt. salt. But, but, well, is it like popcorn, but not? It's not popcorn. It's like, so it's not popped. It's the, the it's like, like the, the actual kernels. kernels and they're roasted, but not that like I've had corn that's like breaks your teeth it's right. not like that at all it's like cr- crunchy like crisps almost Ooh. yeah mm. yeah and, and then we like salivating like, like a dog I feel, right I know, now i know i feel like, <laughs> like i should have brought snacks with me we made a huge <laughs> we'll start doing we that bring snacks. <laughs> um, we were talking about our favorite snacks and i was like i can't tell oh yeah i want to know what are your favorite snacks <laughs> well i mean i have many but my current um because i love to share i'm a big sharer so my and also for context, my mom is one of eight. And so her thing in our household is that she hates to share because of the child she had to share with everyone. I mean, like, can you imagine sharing with seven other people? Yeah, and no. she was like the eldest girl. So like the obligation on her was to share. That's too much pressure. Um, so then she has like her designated snacks. But you <laughs> She's very protective of her snacks. Like, you do not touch my mom's uh. snacks. But they're always the most <laughs> desirable snacks in the house. Just because they're like, you know, oh, well, they're, they're like elite labeled snack. They're like, I want yeah. it because I can't have yeah. it. Um, however, so I mean that, that's like home snacks, but my current favorite snack is at work because nobody else likes it. So I'm like taking after my mum with like you know I keep going on about how I love to share, but then actually I really love it when other people You're do hoarding. not when, I, when <laughs> other people know it's when other people do not like the snack that I like. So I get it all, and so we found in the office we found 
it was like discarded because it was so vile. Um, but it's like white chocolate, hot chocolate. And it's amazing. So good. Everyone else hates Why? it. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with people, but it's incredible. And so every time I have it, I'm like, oh, who wants some of this? Let's go around. Let's, who wants it? No one wants any. And it's like, oh, well, more. Oh, well. Me. That is the best of um, both because you get the pleasure of coming off as like a really selfless person. Like, please have my hot chocolate, but you know no one wants <laughs> no, it. So you're like, more for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, but I'm really enjoying that's that. That's just win, win, win. It's going gonna, it's gonna, to uh, die a death at some point because that's how I am with my snacks. I really enjoy something. But at a certain point, and then I'm like, no, I need to move on. Do you ever do while. it like a song? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I've listened exactly to this like too much time. Exactly I've drank like this hot chocolate too but, much. But that's like a pair of like a pair of trousers. Like, yeah, I like love it, and then I'm like, love We're, it, and um, then I'm like, no. But it, what was I thinking? We had I um, peanut naked bars in no. yeah in the office. I bought like just a crate of them. <laughs> They're so good. They're so. Have you have you tried them? No. Oh, they're they're I just like love the new naked flavors. No, honestly, so good. Stop. But. We can't, we've kind of burned ourselves out of them because we've been eating so yeah, you much. You see it and you're like, I can't even look at you. No, it's like much. looking at a sex after you've sent it. You're like, get that away from me. <laughs> Disgusting. Sorry, that's too personal. <laughs> but it's real. We know it's real. Um, my, what's your favourite snack? Well, I was going to say this. There's this really specific Mexican snack that I've been really enjoying, but mm. which is like pulped tamarind and it's like spicy oh. and sweet and salty and it's amazing. And I stockpiled it when I was in Disney Mexico because I'm a child <laughs> but actually probably my favorite snack of all time is like a strawberry cable that you get at like cinema pick and mix yeah. like I can really just eat strawberry cables at any time and an inappropriate amount and I will just do it they are my favorite thing in the world They're, and they definitely are constant by like a fun snack oh mm. that's a fun snack that's so a party food yeah that is a party food that is a party food yeah how much fun can you, know, you can play with that yeah because you can like, tighten a knot you can tighten a bow <laughs> and even just hanging it like having it hanging down from your mouth is yeah. just like suck it up like a like, noodle yeah there's comical endless fun comical. Uh, yeah it's comedy genius yeah so okay. that's my favorite snack Hunger can kind of show up in various different places in their bo- in in our bodies. So we often just think of hunger as like that pit of our stomach rumbling, that like mm. gnawing sensation. Mm-hmm. But it can be shifts in our mood. So if we get start getting kind of hangry, mm-hmm. we get kind of cranky and snappy at people. Um, shifts in our energy levels. So if even if we've had a bad night or a good night's sleep, but we're just drained, like mm-hmm. actually maybe you need to eat. Um, so yeah, mood, energy level, concentration, focus. Um, if you've got a headache, and I know that if you're dehydrated, like very dehydrated, you can sometimes get a, a headache. Mm. But you can also get um, migraines um, are triggered by low blood sugar as well. So mm, wow. yeah, so that's something to keep in mind. But the the headache that I'm kind of talking about in regards to hunger is slightly different, just kind of behind that eyes and you can very quickly you know if you eat something mm. the headache starts to get better then oh, yeah okay. um so i didn't know that head um head meaning like concentration focus mm-hmm. as well as like the physical sensations um energy mood your stomach um but if you've got that really deep pit of your belly growling to me that's an indication that you've probably gone past gentle hunger into that over hungry phase Mm -hmm. which is when Mm -hmm. you're at risk of just like 
you know, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever, like yeah. with no sort of um, awareness of, of how it actually feels. Um, and the final one is just general body sensations. Like, do you feel kind of weak? Do you feel kind of shaky? Have that sort of sensation of low blood sugar. So when you think about hunger a bit more broadly, mm-hmm. um, and that can be like a, a really overly cognitive process when you're learning intuitive eating sort of the first time around but obviously this stuff becomes kind of second nature like you don't have to think about it quite so much um you know when you get more in touch with those signals when I was a teenager I found it really interesting because I kind of would eat a lot and people would be like oh you're bored of eating or eating because you're bored and I was like to what extent do you think that is such a thing or if I was just responding to signals I know that's like very specific but I think in terms of a lot of teenagers I know a lot of teenagers message me saying that they do the same thing and I just is what that, they they message you saying they eat because they're bored. Yeah, eat because they're bored, or just mm. kind of like eat because they're not particularly happy. Yeah, and I just find it interesting. Yeah, is that responding to a signal, or is that making a signal that wasn't there? Yeah. So to make things slightly more complicated and nuanced, um, I think there are a couple of questions that I would want to ask from a clinical perspective mm. before I jump straight to emotional eating, boredom yeah. eating, stress, comfort mm. eating. Because I hear I almost everyone that walks into my clinic says, I'm a comfort eater. Right. And to some extent, we're all comfort eaters, right? Like, you know, as as babies, if we start crying, one of the first things that we that happens is we get offered food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when we have like celebrations or you know big occasions whether it's weddings or birthdays or funerals or valentine's day or whatever everything is connected to food so i want to be very careful about over pathologizing eating Mm. in response to hunger uh, Mm. eating in response to emotional cues because ultimately that's a coping mechanism and it's a relatively benign one at that um so sort of taking a step back for a second keep that in your in your mind but first of all if I were working with someone and they identified as being a comfort eater emotional eater Mm. whatever they describe that as I would first of all want to make sure that they are eating adequately throughout the day Mm -hmm. nourishing themselves getting plenty of fun foods in throughout the day not just putting all that pressure on that pizza that you're going to be eating you know on the couch with Netflix later Mm. because you know, if you're, if you're kind of, um, what's the word? Yeah. If you're depriving yourself throughout the day, then how is that going to end? Right? Like it's, you probably will eat past the point of comfortable fullness. Um, or if you likewise, if, if you haven't had any like excitement or anything engaging Mm. happening throughout your day, maybe that pizza is the most exciting thing that's happened to you all day. It's very relatable. (laughs) So I think, so there are a couple of things we want to make sure that people are honoring their hunger, that they've made peace with food so that they're eating enough. They're eating adequately. They're nourishing themselves throughout the days. They're getting pleasurable foods throughout the day. Um, then if we've kind of addressed all of those behaviors and people are still find themselves, um, you know, eating for emotional reasons or, or to soothe, um, negative emotions Mm -hmm. or emotional distress, what I, what I wouldn't do is say to someone, 
um oh so in so eating food is is a coping skill all right let's just let's just shit can that let's just totally get rid of that yeah because what if they don't have anything else what if Other that is yeah eating, exactly right? yeah so if you imagine you've got your emotional coping toolkit you open it up the only thing is in there is food and i go in and i take it out mm-hmm. and then you're left with nothing well that's not a great place to be in so we would work on adding not taking food away because like i said it's a relatively benign coping mechanism but adding other things in there adding in self-compassion adding in um maybe mindfulness if that was appropriate or um you know even just like calling your friend or (laughs) going to therapy or um you know just like sometimes lying on the floor (laughs) whatever whatever it is that you need to do um start adding things in and but also looking at at food as maybe giving you a clue that something else is is off in your life something else is off kilter whether that's your self-care whether that's sleep whether that's you haven't been um, managing stress very well just looking at it like what is this telling me about what what else is going on in my life because honey and I talk quite a bit about self-care so what is your do you have like a go-to self-care thing like when things I mean I know you have a million things on right now um what do you because sometimes when you're really really busy like food is a quick immediate comfort Mm. right so like but but I would just say so you know in my capacity as an intuitive eating counselor and nutritionist like yeah you know honor the second principle of intuitive eating is honoring your hunger. And so sometimes we we don't necessarily um, have the, the option to make the, the choice that might make us um, feel amazing and like stave off chronic illness for the rest of our lives. But we actually just need to eat something in that moment. And that to me is the sort of, um, that is the priority over you know, oh, I'm just going to wait another three hours until I can get that green juice or whatever. <laughs> Actually, the priority is that you eat something over not eating anything. Mm-hmm. So if if you're stressed out and you don't have time to prepare a meal, please still eat something. Like, it's really important, even if you just have to grab, I don't know. A bag of crisps. A bag of crisps, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, if you can grab a bag of crisps and have an apple, that's fine too. You know, like, there, there are options. Um, so... What, what's my self-care? Um, yeah, I've been really crap at this lately with the book stuff, yeah. but I do um, prioritize going to therapy every week, which I realize is um, a privilege. But um, yeah, I try and make time for that. Um, and exercise is really important. And I, I get on board with the exercise classes when they're like, oh, you know, like, be your best self. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, fine, yeah, I will be. Mm-hmm. Ready. But I completely lost it when this bar three instructor, we were doing, I don't know, squats or something at 6 a.m. or whatever time it was. It, I mean, it was an ungodly hour. But then she said, um, find your inner hero. There are many times I need my inner hero. I need my inner, inner hero to come through at certain points in my life. This, this is not one of them. <laughs> I do not want to lose my one chance with my inner hero on squats. I'm sorry. And I just couldn't take yeah, the like, rest I'm not of the wasting class. it. Please. That's funny. I couldn't take it. Seriously, she was like, what, what is wrong with you? And I was like, in stitches on the floor. Being like, oh my God, I'm going to cry. Um, yeah. I feel like even I though it, it breaks my heart, I feel like we should wrap up. What do you get asked all the time that you're like, oh. Well, no more. I, I, I want to say it yeah. one last time, and then yeah. that's it. I, I, I think I think we've kind of touched 
talked about this already, but it's really just to hammer home to people this idea that we have been systematically taught that we cannot trust our bodies and that in order to function we need to be we need to have these external rules that dictate what when and how much we should be eating um and to really recognize that that is a very deliberate patriarchal move to keep women small to keep us occupied to keep us just in our heads um I mean think about how much shit you would get done if you weren't worrying about calories or how much you moved your body or that freaking micronutrient mm-hmm. that doesn't really matter. <laughs> some food, right? I know, I've been thinking about that carrot for this entire <laughs> record. I've got to get that carrot. <laughs> but yeah, just just really learning that actually we can trust our bodies. And when we do, yes, it's it's a little bit of work, but holy shit, it is so freeing. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to get on with the things that really need your attention that are really important these wider social justice issues that we need to all be kind of working on collectively so that's that's what i want people to know i mean that's an amazing place to end um laura where can we find you so on socials it's just at laura thomas phd my book is called just eat it how intuitive eating can help you get your shit together around food uh my personal website is laurathomasphd.co.uk where you can find my podcast don't salt my game um my clinic is London Center for Intuitive Eating.co.uk, and you can probably find me in the Medical Sciences Library at UCL. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant, Laura. Thank you so much. Thanks for, for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Body Protest Podcast, brought to you by the Pink Protest. We would love it if you left us a review and some stars, preferably five, on Apple Podcasts. Preferably. (laughs) It will help other people find our podcast and join our body protest family. Honey, where can we find you on social? Well, I'm on Instagram (laughs) at honeykinney. And you should also follow the Pink Protest at Pink Protest. Nadia, where can we find you? I'm at nadia.fadok on Instagram. And you can also listen to my little work podcast, Appearance Matters, the podcast, where Jay Pono and I talk about the body image research with some of the experts in the field. Uh, this podcast was brought to you by The Pink Protest and produced by the wonderful Scarlett Curtis. And thanks to our editor, Shola. Thank you. Bye.